What we affectionately refer to as the five E's. Uh, just different words to describe our purpose and our process. Why are we here? Why do we exist as a church? Uh, I think it's important. I, I feel like uh, as I was looking at these things this week and studying this week for today, I, I felt like you know I probably have not done service to the importance of the things that we're talking about. Uh, this is uh, critically important to all of us as individual believers in Christ, but, but certainly as a church, knowing the why behind what we do, why we do what we do, uh, is important. We need to understand that. We need to recognize that. Uh, it's important for you uh, to buy into that, uh, that we collectively are all going in the same direction, uh, that we are working through the same processes uh, so that our lives maximize the glory that we bring to God. That really is what life's all about. And, and that's how we started. We started out talking about God does everything he does for his glory. And therefore, I should do everything I do. If, if I'm going to call myself a Christian, I should do everything I do for God's glory. Because that's what Christ does. He came to live for the Father's glory. He, he submitted himself to the will of the Father. His life was about bringing glory to the Father. When I say I'm a Christian, I say I'm a Christ follower, and I should do the same. Uh, he said, if you, if you believe him, you should walk even as he walked. That's what John tells us. Uh, and so we're, we're talking about this process of, of maximizing glory to God in our lives, and we said there's a few ways that we do that, uh, the, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a process, and the first time through the process, I'm a recipient. And so when we talk about evangelism, the first time through the process, I need to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need to put my faith there. Uh, I, I need to have that relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. Some of you figured out why I wait, you know. Let's, I want to make sure we're on, we're on track there, right? We're, we're in agreement there. This is the first step. And we should know that without that, our lives will never bring glory to God. In fact, we're the enemy of God outside of Jesus Christ and, and, and his reconciliation to God. And so I need to receive the gospel. I need to be encouraged. I, I need to be edified. I need to be equipped. And, and then the second time through the cycle, I, now I'm a, I'm a donor. I'm not a receiver, but I'm a donor. But listen to me. It's critically important that we continue if I, if I just come to church and I get saved and, man, these folks are really encouraging and I got discipled and, yeah, I go to those classes and that's the end of it, hear me today, your life is not maximizing the glory to God. It's a cyclical process and if, and if that process doesn't continue, if I'm not reproducing reproducers, then my... Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified. How? That you bear much fruit. And the way I bear much fruit is when my fruit bears fruit. And so if I'm going to glorify God, then I've got to reproduce reproducers. So I walk through this process the first time, but, but the second time around, I'm, I'm taking someone else through the process. And so evangelism is the sowing of the seeds of the gospel that results in a spiritual birth. That, that's what... That's what evangelism is. I'm taking the seed of the Word of God 
and I'm sowing it into the lives of people. I'm speaking God's words. I, I'm, I'm exemplifying God's life with my, my life. I'm, I'm allowing him to live through me. And that's sowing seeds of the gospel, the word of God, into the hearts and the lives of people that will ultimately result in, in spiritual birth. And once there's a spiritual birth, then, then there needs to be a connecting point, and, and that's what we're, we're using, encourage. We need to encourage one another. We need, to, we need to have connections that results in nurturing relationships. God didn't intend for us to do this life alone. We need each other. That's, that's the ideal of the church. The, the first problem with man was that he was alone. And God said it's not good that man should be alone before the fall. Our biggest problem is sin. Our first problem was being alone. God wants us to have relationships. We're going to talk about the, the next step today is, is to edify, and that's nurturing relationships that result in spiritual growth. And so the first, we're sowing seeds that results in spiritual life. The next, we're making connection that results in nurturing relationships. And now we're going to take those nurturing relationships and, and, and look for a result of spiritual growth. There's a purpose in it. it and it's not complicated. It, it follows the process of, of physical development. And we'll see that in just a moment. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to a local New Testament church. So this book is directly applicable to us today. He writes to the church at Corinth, which is the most jacked up church in the New Testament. Now they got issues, man. They got problems. And he writes this letter to deal with those problems. And so chapter after chapter, well, we're just going to be in chapter 4, so we don't even get to them, all of them yet, but... But there's problems going on in Corinth, and Paul's writing to them. I, I love the Bible because it, it, it is the source of all truth. It gives us what it looks like to, to live an ideal life, but it also is honest about our failures. Someone has said if, if man could have written the book, he wouldn't have written it because of its honesty about the condition of man. And Paul writes to this church, and as he writes to them, he, he exemplifies a nurturing relationship. He exemplifies what it means to live in a nurturing relationship where we're edifying and we're, we're building one another up. And, and so I need those people in my life. I need that kind of a relationship with people. I need someone to nurture me, to, to bring me to spiritual growth and and frankly, you do too. We all need nurturing relationships to lead us to spiritual development. And so, for the sake of time, we're going to take it a verse at a time. I'm not going to read the text. We're starting verse number 14. Paul writes, I write these things unto you to shame, uh, not to shame you. I write not these things unto you to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. And so, I, as I said, there's a lot going on in Corinth, it's a mess. Uh, they got incest going on. They're, they're messed up on the resurrection. They, they don't understand the gospel. They, they got spiritual gifts all jacked up. But Paul writes and he says, I'm not writing. There's some things they ought to have been ashamed of, but Paul said, I'm not writing to shame you. My goal in writing to you isn't to bring you shame. My goal in writing to you is to warn you. I'm not writing to tear you down. I'm writing to build you up. 
So often in church, we feel like our responsibility is to be judge and executioner. God never gave us that responsibility or that right. We are not to be judge and executioner. In fact, I, I would argue that rather than calling when we have to deal with sin in the church, it shouldn't be called church discipline. It should be called church restitution because the end game is restitution. That's what God's looking for. Just like when we deal with our children, I hope, that's how we deal with our children, right? We're not looking to put them out. We're looking to bring them in. We're not looking to tear them down. We're looking to build them up. We're not looking to shame them. We're looking to warn them, to help them understand how that their behavior is destructive. And that's what Paul's doing. He says, I write to warn you. And, and, and time and time again, he uses that phrase, Acts chapter 20 with the Ephesian elders. He says, watch, remember that for the space of three years, I cease not to warn, every, warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul, do you see his heart there? He says, for three years, Ephesians, I've been here with you. I've been ministering among you. Three years, the period of, of biblical discipleship. I've been spending these years with you, and, and as I've been with you every day and every night, I've been warning you with tears. I'm not trying to tear you down. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm weeping because I have that kind of heart for you. I want you to live life on purpose. I don't want you to squander your life. I, I want to warn you about the deceit, deceitfulness of sin and, and the destruction of living life for yourself. If you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. I want you to understand that. I want you to know that life is found in Christ and, and living your life to honor and to glorify Him. He, he says, I'm warning you. He said the same thing to Colossae. He says, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. He says, my goal, Colossae, my goal for you, I'm warning you, I'm preaching because my, my goal as the leader is to present you one day to Christ. Perfect. Mature. Whole. Wanting nothing. The goal is to get to that day and to stand before my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and in full realization of what he's done for me. To realize that I have lived my life for him. Amen. To get there that day and not be ashamed. But to get there that day and, and realize that I gave my life for the right purpose. Paul says, that's my, that's my goal. That's the reason I preach to you like I do. I want to get you there. Later he said to the, to the church at Colossae, he's talking about letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. He says we need to be, we need to be so full of this book that it dwells in me so richly that I'm able to teach and admonish. It's the same word warn. It's translated admonish here. It's translated warn in other places. That I'm able to, to teach and to warn you that when I open my mouth, what comes out of my mouth, I'm so full of the word of God that I'm speaking his words, teaching and warning you. 
That, that's what a nurturing relationship looks like. It's, again, it's, it's not difficult. It's like our relationship with, with our children. Oftentimes, a, a child's first word will be no. Why is that? Because that's what they hear. Right? Because, because a loving parent, when they went toward that light socket, that, that receptacle, they said, no! Don't stick that fork in there! Was that because we wanted to be mean to them? Tear them down? Destroy them? Shame them? No, we warned them. No! Don't play in the street! No! Don't eat out of the litter box! <laughs> they hear no a lot. Not because we don't like them, but because we love them. We're warning them. We're protecting them. The same thing's true in a nurturing relationship that we, we would have here in church. We don't discipline out of anger. We discipline out of love. In Hebrews chapter 12, God says, Every son whom he receiveth, every, every son that he loves, he chastens, he disciplines, he corrects us. Not because he hates us, but because he loves us. Proverbs tells us that, that if, if we love our children, we'll discipline our children. Because we, we're warning them, we, we recognize that if, if we don't discipline them, if we don't warn them, if we don't help them understand, they're headed in a direction that is destructive. We've got to be there for them. So in a, a nurturing relationship, we, we love one another, we care about one another, and, and we admonish one another, we, we, we correct, we warn one another. We, we put people into the mind of obeying the word of God. We, we want them to see that, that here's the truth. Here's God's standard. And, and God's standard of living is different than our standard. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. He, what, what he says is counterintuitive to us. Much of the guidance that God gives in his word about how to live to us seems backwards. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to keep your life, give it up. If you want to keep something, anything, give it away. Well, that seems counterintuitive to us. It's because it's God's thoughts, not our thoughts. We need to admonish in, in one another. And so a nurturing relationship is a relationship that provides loving admonition. We warn one another. Sometimes you, you may feel like, man, I don't, I don't go down there to that church. They're always negative. It's not really negative I mean if if somebody's warning me of something that's going to be to my detriment I think that's positive Amen. now it, it may sound negative and it may come across in fact if you look at what the Bible's profitable for, for it's, it's profitable for reproof for correction and for instruction biblical preaching is going to be two thirds negative reproof rebuke correction it's also profitable for instruction it's not negative when someone's reminding me of the right thing. So nurturing relationships, they provide biblical, loving admonition. The second thing nurturing relationships do is they provide a, a family atmosphere. Look what verse 15. Paul again is writing, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And so Paul says... I'm taking on this role of a father. And, and so the idea is like this. It's like I said a moment ago. The Christian life is, is, 
exemplified in, in physical life. It, it starts with a birth, right? Not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. No one's born into God's family, but in, in the sense of physically, but, but we're born into God's family spiritually. That's why, you know, Nicodemus, Jesus comes to him. He's a super religious guy. Jesus could have had any spiritual biblical conversation. He could have taken the Old Testament. Nick probably could have quoted it. And he comes to Jesus, and he, and he says, you know, it's a crazy story. You know, we, the determinant council, have discovered that you must be from God because of all these miracles. And he's he's throwing these accolades on Jesus, and Jesus just responds by saying, Hey, Nick, if you don't get born again, you ain't making the kingdom of God. And Nick said, Man, I don't. Born again? Do I I enter the second time into my mother's room and be born? And Jesus said, No, 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 Nicodemus, you don't understand. I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. You must be born of, of water, physically, you got to be born once, and then you must be born again, born of the Spirit, a second birth. You must be born again. And, and, and so salvation is a birth experience, and, and ideally that, that, that birth experience happens within the context of a family, right? So you, you're, you're born into a family. Peter says that we're born again, not of corruptible seed. So that's that evangelism we were talking about a minute ago, right? We're born again. It's not corruptible seed, but it's, it's incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so we're sowing the seeds of the word of God. And when that, that word of God takes root in my heart, it, it, it brings about a spiritual birth. It brings about spiritual life. And the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within me. I'm, I'm, I'm new. I'm born again. First John says, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, is born of God. It's, it's a birth. And that birth needs to happen into the context of a family. So, so that we can be nurtured and, and loved and admonished. That, that takes a family. That, that's what the church is about. This is not a this is not a show to come watch. This is not, a, this is not intended to be an, an activity to, you know, take up a, a little time. It's not a, a religious event. It's not, you know, I, I'm thrilled that you're here, but it, it's not just something to show up to and, you know, sit back and say, oh, I, I kind of like this, I don't like that. It's a family. It's a family to be, to be engaged in, to be a part of. And, and so, so what happens is when we're, 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 we're born into a family. Uh, it, it's like being born into a physical family. The, the goal is for us to grow up and mature. That, right? That, that's the goal. That, I mean, that was the goal with my children. And in fact, we had all those little books, you know, what to expect when you're expecting, what to expect in the first year, what to expect in the second year, what to, you know. We got these benchmarks, and we're looking for them in the lives of our kids, and when they're not meeting the benchmarks, we're, man, let's, let's get somebody to, what's going on here? You know, they're not, they're not progressing like they ought to be. God has those goals in our lives. And, and he says we're born, and when you're born, you're born as a baby. And a baby needs a nurturing family. Uh, the characteristic of a baby, spiritually, is carnality. In fact, look in your Bibles. If you're, if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, just turn back a page to chapter 3. Paul's writing to this church at Corinth, and he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. He said, I couldn't speak to you like you're spiritually mature, but as unto carnal. And, and that word carnal, it's carne, it's flesh. 
And so I, I couldn't speak to you like you're spiritual. I had to speak to you like you're carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. He said, you're, you're very immature in your spiritual life. You're, you're just a baby. I fed you with milk and not with me, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. He said, I've had to, I've had to take the, the, the truths and break them down into a format that you could receive it. I, I couldn't give you a, a steak. I had to give you some milk. I had to take the words of God and digest them and, and then give them to you because you couldn't get it on your own because you're spiritually immature, because you're a baby. And, and that's, that's natural, right? When, when we, we have a physical child, we bring them home from the hospital, you know, we don't expect them to mow the grass that afternoon. In fact, we don't even expect them to go to the dinner table and feed themselves. We recognize they need a nurturing relationship with a mother who can take the food from the dinner table and digest it and produce it in a form that will result in spiritual growth. That's enough of a biology lesson. Same thing is true spiritually. He says, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? So, so the, the characteristic of a babe in Christ is carnality. It's fleshliness. It's living for myself. And he says it's often manifested in the church. Brace for impact. Through envy and strife and division. If you struggle with envy and you struggle with strife and you cause division, let me lovingly say to you today, you're carnal, you're immature, you're a babe in Christ, you need to grow up. Now, I didn't say that, God did. But with a, a lot of experience in the local church, God help us. Because we are full of immaturity. Now, now so I got I, I got to move. The characteristic of a babe is carnality. So, so what do they need? They need to become a worshiper of God. You, you, see, you see, because the issue of carnality is, I'm still on the throne. But you notice all that self stuff. Envy, strife, division. I didn't get my way. I don't like that song. They didn't speak to me. One day get that position. Not me. It's all about me. And what that means is, when I'm a me monster, that means I'm on the throne, God's not. Because listen to me today, he won't share the throne with you. It's you or him. And carnality means I'm still on that throne. I'm still in charge. I, I'm, not, I'm not taking your salvation. I, I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven when you die. I'm just telling you, if you're carnal, that means you're on the throne. And God's not. And what needs to happen in your life, you need to put God on the throne. 
You need to become a worshiper of God. You say, oh, no, 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 Joe. No, I, I sang those songs. I worshiped today. You remember Israel, you know, they, they had all their feasts and all their deal. And God finally said, you know what? You make me want to puke. Because you draw near to me with your words. But your heart's far from me. He said, I just, listen, again, this is what God said, not me. He said, I want none of it. He said, just stop. Just stop it. Being a worshiper of God is when I get off the throne, I walk down off that throne, I'm no longer in charge. God, you're in charge. Peter said it like this, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is a voluntary obedience to truth. The nurturing relationships that we have around here, we call it discipleship. It starts with a cost of discipleship class so that you walk through that and realize in your mind, oh, oh, this is what it means to be a disciple. There's seven marks of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, this is what it takes to be my disciple. And so you need to make an informed decision because this is not about a class. This is not about a study. This is not about, you know, getting a button. This is about becoming a worshiper of Jesus Christ where he now is the authority of my life and every decision that I make in my life now I'm not we, we all get messed up we all make bad decisions from time to time but when we do we recognize I've made a terrible decision God please forgive me and we go make it right as a worshiper of Jesus Christ he's in charge that's what it means to worship I bow before you you sit on the throne. You call the shots. I don't. That, when we talk about discipleship, that, that's what discipleship is. It's, it's that, that's the first step. Walk through that cost of discipleship class and, okay, that's what I want with my life. I, I want to I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I recognize this position. And then we're going to pair you up with somebody and they're going to begin to meet with you in a nurturing relationship that's going to admonish you. We're going to go through the Bible. And as we go through the Bible, the goal is to see that God is the authority and I bow to him. I submit to him. Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world. Here's what I want you to do. Teach them to observe all things. What's her recommended you? Not teach them all things. When you go through discipleship, here you won't learn everything that's in the Bible the goal is first off that you would learn to do everything that's in the Bible you got the book just keep carrying it with you and let it be the authority of your life that's what discipleship's about and, and hear me today if you if you're born again you're saved you you have spiritual life within you you come into this life as a babe in Christ you come into this life carnal and you need to mature you need to grow up you need to stop living for yourself and start living for Christ. I've got to go on. Once you've, once you've done that, then, then the next step in this life, and, and, and the, the Bible calls a, a newborn babe is a, a babe in Christ, a newborn. And then he says in 1 John, there's these little children. And so what's the next stage? It, you, you, you're born, you, you're a baby, and then you become a little child. And 1 John says this about a little child. It's on the screen. My little children, these things I write on you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. The righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. He's the satisfaction. 
And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so he says, as, as, a, as, a, as a new, as, as a little child, so I've, I've, I've come to this place that I've realized I've established virtue in my life. God's word is the authority. God's the authority. God, I'm a worshiper of you. You're in charge now. He says the next thing that comes along is this, this life of instability because, and, and we've all seen it, right? You, a, a little kid, that, you know, they, 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 they've grown up a little bit, now they're learning to walk, but when they're learning to walk, man, they're not stable on their feet, and they can't, you know, they're holding on to stuff, and they fall down a lot. Well, that's what happens to a, a little child spiritually. They're just falling all the time. And so they come to church on Sunday, man, they, you know, they've been through discipleship, and, oh, God, you're in charge. Yes, sir, Lord, you're in charge. And they go out on Monday, and they mess it up. Ha! Ah, messed it up. God, please forgive me. They get back up, and they walk a little bit more, and they, ah, Monday night, they fell again. <laughs> right? And they're just always falling. And they struggle to learn to walk. Uh, let me just say to you, that, that's, that's okay. If you're a little child, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Just keep getting up and walking farther. It, it becomes not okay when you live there perpetually. And so as a, as a little child, what we need is, is knowledge. And, and that's why Peter said, add to your faith virtue and then add to your virtue. Once virtue is established, then I add to virtue knowledge. And so the point is this, if, if this book is my authority, if the word of God is my authority and I'm living under the lordship of Christ and, and I'm reading his word, the more of his word that becomes part of my life and, and I've established virtue, so I'm going to obey it, the more I know of it, the more I obey, the less I fall, the more I walk with God. Does that make sense? We're talking about a spiritual maturation process. Let me just, let me just lovingly say... If you're falling every day, you're in, you're, you have some instability. You're a little child, spiritually. You need to grow up. And discipleship's intended to accomplish that goal. To, to help you establish virtue. And to help you to to add to that virtue knowledge. Uh, he, Isaiah says, who shall we teach knowledge? To whom shall we uh, make to understand doctrine? And, and doctrine is the specific teachings of the word of God. You know, we live in a world today that says, oh, let's just forget about all that doctrine and let's just, let's just hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Well, you know, that's, that's wonderful if you just want to be a baby. Amen. You know, milk's great for a baby. I'm not a fan anymore. I'd like to have a steak. You invite me over and, hey, we're going to have some milk and crackers. I'll eat it, but I think I'll probably go get something to eat afterwards. We need to grow up. We need to understand doctrine. And, and he says, them that are weaned from the milk, drawn from the breast. Listen, listen there ought to come a time in your life where you're not dependent upon me to teach you this book. We ought to gather as a, as a body. There's a reason that we gather together. There's a reason, you know, even, even as an adult, and I could make my own food, I sure love to go back home to mama's and have, have lunch with her. I, I love to get together with the family and, and, and have food together as a family, but, but I wasn't going to die if that didn't happen. 
a lot of believers in Jesus Christ who die. You know, I've, I've had people say it to me before. I don't have time for this. <laughs> That's not what they said. That's what I'm saying to me. I just, I just don't get fed over there at that church. Can, if you've ever... <laughs> That's more of an indictment on you than it is on the church. That's more of an indictment on you than it is on the church. Grow up. That's what discipleship's about. That's an, and listen, remember the first point we made today? I write not to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. I speak not to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you, you don't want to live like that. You're not going to go for God like that. And so we need knowledge. Colossians talks about being renewed in knowledge. That's how we mature. It's allowing the word of God to change us. And so we go from from being born to being a babe to being a little child and then and then in the progression and, and all this is in first john he says then we're, we're children we 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 become a child from a little child to a child and and, and the, the the issue with a a child is, is children are easily deceived you, you can deceive a little child you can trick them you can fool them and, and so that's a weakness. And, a, and Ephesians 4 says, We henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine and the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. And, and so uh, children can get distracted and drawn away and deceived and, 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 and tricked into believing that there's another way to live. And, and what the Word of God says is that we need, to, we need to grow in our faith. And Peter says we need to add to that faith, that, that salvation. We add virtue, and to virtue we add knowledge. And then to knowledge we add temperance. And so what a child needs is temperance in their life. They need to temper what they know. This Paul writing to this same church in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 talks about being temperate in all things. Listen to what he says. Know you not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may have attained. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, as not as one that beateth the air, but I, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul, Paul talks about temperance. It, it, it is a fruit of the Spirit. Modern translations want to change it to self-control. That's such a false teaching. The last thing you want in your life is self-control. That's, that's absolutely the opposite The teachings of the scriptures are that I am no good. I, I don't need to be controlling myself. I need God to be controlling me. Because when I'm in control, it's back to I'm on the throne again, right? I need God on the throne. Temperance. It's, it's the ability to run this race. It's, it's not to get distracted it's not to be deceived. 
It's, it's, it's this idea that I'm in it to win it. And I'm, I'm not going to get off course. I'm not going to allow things to distract me and to pull me aside. I realize what life is really all about. I understand the importance. I know why I'm here. I know what life's about. It's not about a newer car or a bigger house or a better job. It's about ministering. It's about reproducing reproducers. And the rest of it is just trappings. It, it, it doesn't matter. It is irrelevant unless it distracts me from the main mission. Hebrews talks about we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. As a, as a babe, as a little child, I, I, I'm going to put away those sins and the, the, the carnality and the flesh. But, but when I come to this level as a child, I, I need to put temperance into my life. I need to get rid of the weights. I need to get rid of the things. They may not necessarily be sinful things. They're just weighing me down in the race. They're just things that keep me from achieving the goal, for, from accomplishing the mission. Discipleship, the purpose of discipleship the reason that we have personal discipleship, hear me today if you're being discipled or if you're a discipler. It's not just a Bible study. It's not a cute little lesson to go through. It's not just something that I can put a check mark beside my name. It's about life transformation. It's about God adding to my faith virtue where I worship him and then him adding to my virtue knowledge so that I know him so that so that I can employ virtue so that my life is transformed and changed it's about adding temperance to that so that I realize that my life has a purpose I'm on a mission with God and everything in my life is about that and nothing else matters that's why we need Edification. It's about building up. Temperance is embracing ministry. It's, it's where God adds some things. You know, when we, you drove here today, most of us came in a car today, and, and in that car, if you were to, to look into it, you would find that there's some tempered steel, and probably some tempered glass. And, and what happened in that process of being tempered? It was heated up, some things were taken out, some things were added in, so that it became useful. That's what God wants to do with your life. He wants to turn up the heat. Yes, he will. He will turn up the heat. So he can take away some things that don't need to be there, and, he can, and, and their weights, maybe not necessarily sin, but there's some things in your life that need to get out. Because they're distracting you from the mission. And he's going to add some things in. And it's so that you can be useful for the mission. That's what it's all about. That's discipleship. It's not a cute program of the church. It's not a way, let's get these folks involved. It's about life transformation. And Paul says, and I don't have time to do all this. 
he says that happens best in the presence of a nurturing relationship, a loving, a living example. Verse 16 says, Wherefore I beseech you be followers of me. Paul says, Be, be a follower of me. He, he said, You have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers? The difference between an instructor and a father is an instructor will tell you how to live, a father will show you how to live. Amen. You have 10,000 instructors in Christ, never been more true than it is today. You, you got 10 million instructors in Christ. Google will, will lead you to all of them. And most of them are wrong. Amen. They're wrong. And if you're, if you're not mature, you're going to be deceived, like we just read about, into believing a lie. You don't need somebody to tell you how to live. You need somebody to show you how to live. The problem in the church of Jesus Christ today isn't that we don't have enough people telling people how to live. The problem in the, Jesus, the problem in the church of Jesus Christ today is we don't have enough people showing people how to live. We see that we see in our society we have a crisis of fatherhood. Fathers are absent from the home, and, and our society is suffering. Let me say to you the same thing's true in the church of Jesus Christ. We have an absence of fathers, of, of people who would be a living example, who will say to others, come follow me. Paul, it sounds like he's arrogant. He's not arrogant. He's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. He's saying, I'm going to live an exemplary life. Not that I'll never make a mistake, but when I make a mistake, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to live as an example. It's a, it's a huge commitment, but hear me today. It's worthy. It's a worthy commitment. Amen? Amen? I'm going to live a life that's exemplary. Come follow me. I'll show you how to live for Christ. It's critically important. Somebody said, you teach what you know, you reproduce what you are. You teach what you know, you reproduce what you are. Let me, let me just mention this last thing. It's nurturing relationships provide a, a transferable truth. In verse 17, for this cause... Have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you to remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church? Paul says, follow me, and then he says, I sent Timothy. And that may be a little confusing from the jump, but, but then he says, he's going to bring you into remembrance of my ways. It's a transferable truth. Listen to me. Listen to me. Why do we have these five E's up here? Why, why, why you need to get all that going on? Why, why, well, discipleship, you know, we can just kind of, let's just get together and, and we'll sing and pray and, 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 and read a book. I hope you don't parent that way. I, I hope you don't parent leaving the outcome to happenstance. We shouldn't disciple that way either. It needs to be a systematic approach. There's a systematic approach to spiritual maturity. God's a God of order. Yeah. And we've got to pass these truths on to the next generation. Now, our theme this year, a, a new generation moving forward. Can I ask you something? How have we done with that? A new generation moving forward. How have we done with that? Let me, let me change the question. How have you done with that? So... Let me, let me further define, and, and, and 
Who do you have following you to take your role if, God forbid, you died today? Now, some would have to admit, I don't, I don't really have a role. I ain't really doing anything. Well, that's a bigger problem. But if you are doing something, who are you investing in? Somebody asked me the other day, hey, what's the theme for next year? I think the theme for next year will be a new generation moving forward. And it'll be the theme for every year until we do it. Because it's not about a theme. It's about investing in the next generation. To reproduce reproducers. That's what life is all about. Paul says it's a systematic approach. He says, as I teach everywhere in every church, you know, it's so easy for us in our consumer-driven world to, to look for some new shiny thing. Ah, oh, Joe, we've been talking about discipleship forever. Let's do something new. The goal isn't to have some new shiny thing. It's tempting. It's tempting to chase after that stuff. It's tempting to see somebody down the road with some success and go, maybe we ought to run that program. Maybe we ought to do that. Maybe we could be successful. We better be careful how we define success. Amen. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall teach others also. Here's what Paul said. Timothy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to teach the things that I have taught you so well that those who you teach can teach others who can teach others. And my argument is this, until my disciple can disciple someone so well that they can disciple someone well enough that they can disciple someone, I haven't discipled anyone. Did you get that? Until I can disciple someone so well that they can di disciple someone who can disciple someone who can disciple someone, I haven't discipled anyone. And hear me today, that's not something that you just, you know, I think I'll give it a try. Because by the time you get those four generations, you will have invested your life in it. It's not a church growth strategy. It's not just a, a good idea. It's committing myself to live a biblical life and trusting the results to God. It's, it's, it's saying, God, you are in authority. Your word teaches me how to do it. You gave me that systematic approach, and I'm going to follow it. I'm going to give my life to it. And when I come to the end of my life, I'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown which the righteous judge will give unto me. Not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. Amen. This, is not just a, this is not just a cute little program. This is not about playing games. This is about eternity. Amen. It's about living life on purpose. I invite you to join us in it.
Father, we love you today. We need you, obviously. We're no good on our own. I'm no good on my own. Lord, I have such a tendency to, to do things my way and for my glory and my strength, even knowing that that's a recipe for failure. Today, Father, we come humbly before you and we ask you to move in us that we would live lives that would be pleasing to you, that we would truly be able to say with the Apostle Paul, we fought a good fight. We finished our course. We kept the faith. That we would stand before you one day as our righteous judge and you would be pleased with the lives that we've lived. Help us today, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me? The praise team's going to lead us in a song. Maybe you're here today and, and you've never taken that first step. There's never been the seed of the gospel sown in you in such a way that you've responded and spiritual life has been birthed within you. We'd love to take the word of God, that spiritual seed, and sow it into your heart today so that you can come to know Christ. Maybe here, you're here today and you realize, you know what, I, I'm just a babe in Christ. I, I am carnal. I, I do envy, I do have strife, and I'm divisive. I want that to change today. Maybe you need to come. Maybe today you realize, you know, I, I'm, that, I'm that little child stage. I, I'm easily distracted. I'm easily deceived. I need to grow up. Wherever you're at today, we want to help you. I invite you to come while we sing. Let God do in your life what he wants to do. You do that. giving him that place where he can do in me whatever he desires to do so that he can do through me whatever he desires to do. You know, we are a church since the late 80s that's talked about discipleship. We've been up and down off and on. But I stand here today to tell you, it's not just our idea. Not an idea that was birthed at the Kansas City Baptist Temple and they trained us in discipleship. And, no. It's a biblical lifestyle. It's not a program. It's not a ministry, necessarily. It's a lifestyle. It's how I live. Because I want to live to glorify God. And Jesus told me the way I do that is I reproduce reproducers. You know, it's amazing to me. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he says, I'm going to send to you Timothy. He said, because I have no other man 
who's like-minded. The Apostle Paul, nearing the end of his life, he said, I got one guy. I got one guy. I got one guy that, man, he's just like me. I'm going to send him to you. Because he'll bring you into my remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ. You know, I think sometimes we get lured into a worldly ideal of success. We think, yeah, I'm going to, I'll do that discipleship thing. And man, I'll have me, I'll have me a treasure trove of followers. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's quit worrying about measuring success by our standard and start measuring by God's. And God's measure of success, listen to me, it's real simple. Obey. Oh, come on, listen to me. Obey. We have way undervalued obedience in our culture today. The results aren't up to me. All I'm to do is be obedient. To do what I do in the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. Just be obedient. It's not hard. It's simple. It's not easy. But it is simple. This past COD class just finished up. We had 28 people go through COD. Cost of discipleship. And, and what that means is many of those folks coming out of that are going to say, I'm ready to be discipled. I'm ready for somebody to come alongside me and build a nurturing relationship with me that, that would result in my spiritual development. We don't have 28 people to do that. That's a problem. I'm challenging you. Remember, I write not to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Get right with God. And if you're not there yet, a new class starts on October the 4th. It's not about a class. It's about developing and growing in our faith so that God can use our lives to reproduce reproducers. Okay. I've said too much. Thanks for being here today. A couple of things I want to mention to you, and we're going to be dismissed. If you want to get a card, they're still here. Make sure you don't walk out those doors with a card. I'd hate for you to get COVID. Uh, pick one up, put your name on it, drop it in a basket. Uh, make sure that we have that. There's prayer guides in the in the gatheria. Uh, those are for Global Impact Celebrations, September 23rd through 27th. I hope you right now make plans to be with us on all of those days as we celebrate God's impact through Decatur Baptist Church on the world. So plan to be here for that. It is Labor Day weekend. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend with a nice, cooler weather. We will not have any classes tonight. So none of the classes, Awana's not meeting, none of our support groups are meeting, uh, none of our, our, uh, our uh, ministry tools and training classes meet, COD, nothing's meeting tonight on campus. Enjoy your weekend, uh, and, and, and thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. We're going to close out with a song. Have a great weekend.